Greetings to the world. Greetings to the world. Greetings to all the human beings out there and anybody else out there. I don't know, maybe aliens too. Hey, this is Cam. Uh, this is still the Real Resilience Talk podcast. And uh, today we have a pleasure and a privilege of having a very incredible, humble servant to other humans uh, being on here with us. Um, I call him Coach Mark, uh, but uh, we're going to talk today about resilience. And y'all heard me at a point of nausea tell you what I think it is. But to me, it's just like uh, what Stallone said in like Rocky 35 or whatever one it was, like, and about you, it's about you can get it and keep moving forward. So resilience is a vital topic. It's important. And we're here with Coach Mark. And uh, what would it be to you? What say you on that topic, sir? Yeah. You know, resilience, you know, when I think of resilience, you know, as a head coach for 30 years, you know, I was always teaching what, you know, toughness was all about and, you know, how to be more mentally tough and, you know, all those things. And then when I think of resilience in regards to mental health, as we're going to, you know, I think speak a lot about today, you know, what we used to think was tough and that was keeping everything inside, suffering in silence. Uh, don't talk about it is to me, you know, that's, that's not the toughness any, you know, like, you know, the, the, the message that I would like to, to, to give today is that toughness is actually being able to tell someone when you are struggling, mm. like it's the opposite maybe of what we have all been brought up to think yes, sir. and, and to, to do. So when, you know, when I have the opportunity to speak to all of these, you know, different student athletes and coaches and different businesses across this nation, you know, that's one of my main, uh, my main points is that, you know, how, how, you know, resilience is in the mental health world is being able to, uh, take the first step to get help, Yes, you know? And I think I either heard you say it in, you know, prior to us starting the, the podcast, but you know, it, it is okay not to be okay. Yes. And that's something that we've, you know, really prior to the hand, last handful of years, we've never heard that. Uh, we've never talked about that really, uh, especially in your world, the military, my world, the athletic world. Right. I mean, that's something that's uh, taboo. And uh, so resilience to me in the mental health world really, really is more about speaking openly and honestly about our struggles. And that's the strength. That's where the strength actually come in, because then we, we get the kind of help that we need and we can come out of maybe that dark place and still be the best version of ourselves. And uh, ultimately, that's what we all want to be. I, I love that you said that because it's one thing I, I de- we definitely try. We, I don't say I, but we try to say on here is, is about trying to be like that, that real self-actualization, like to actually self-actualize, like, like Maslow yep. talked about, about trying to be the best version of you that you can be. And I love that you said, you know, being willing to, to reach out for the help and that there's strength there. And it also, it exemplifies that, hey, I'm willing to reach out to the tribe, to the village, whatever it may be, and say, I'm not okay and I need help. And that's okay. Like, that's that's okay. Like, we, we are progressing. We're heading in a better direction, but we're just not there yet. I'm looking at some of the deaths just in my line of work because um, yeah. I, yeah. I work with this, with suicide prevention. It's a passion of mine, but I have 49 deaths of active duty Marines you know, in this last year, in just this calendar year. Um, you know how many the enemies killed? Way less than that, right? Yeah. So it's like literally yeah. like we're hurting ourselves. So um, wh- how did you get drawn into into working with this subject? Because um, I, I know you, so you've delved into the mental health or have you have you been certified and all those kind of things and, and delved into that or is it just I mean, certification standpoint? as in going through severe depression with incredibly high anxiety with suicidal thoughts. Yeah, yeah certified. Incredible. 
Yeah, certified, certified. that way. Yes, sir. Um, no, so I'm a former head basketball coach of 30 years, and uh, 11 of those 11 of those years were at the high school level, um, and then the final 19 years that I was a head coach was at Newman University. I was a head men's basketball coach there, and at the height of my coaching career at Newman, at the beginning of that basketball season is when I started to kind of spiral, you know, out of control. It's been set. It's been 18 years ago now. Uh, when that season actually happened in my life and, you know, spiraled out of control literally within a five and a half week span uh, from what I would call my normal to completely spiraled out of control with suicidal thoughts. The suicidal thoughts probably started within about four weeks. And, um, you know, I was trying to keep my head above water. I was, you know, I have a wonderful family. I've been married for 39 years to my wife. Uh, We have two children. We we now have four grandchildren. And I think, you know, if you were to, at that time, if you were to look at Coach Potter's life, right, if you would look at, oh, man, he's a head college basketball coach at the NCAA Division II level. Um, he's got a wonderful wife and two wonderful children. You would have said I had everything going for him. Right. And, you know, I think that's, you know, again, when I have the opportunity to, you know, to, to go around this nation and speak on this topic, that's one of my main um goals is to allow people to understand that, listen, you know, so many people, and again, I will, I always say this when I speak, the athletic world has the, probably the, one of the highest stigmas in regards to, uh, showing that type of weakness and the military police, uh, you guys probably are maybe a level above us. Like, like we're all right there, but like, I know like that mentality and that stigma says, you know, hey, you can't tell anybody. So that's the way I was raised. Yep. The way most of the people that are probably going to listen to this, co- this podcast have been raised. And so I was doing everything in my power in that in that five and a half week period not to to tell anybody, not to show it, uh, to continue to prepare my team to get ready for that season. I mean, I I was a head. I'd been a head coach for eighteen years at that time, and um, and people always ask, well, you know, why were you going through it this time and not right. any other time? Yeah. And I don't have, we don't have an answer for that. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a good question. So this, just so I understand right, so this was when you took over at Newman as the head coach. Yeah, this so. the first season. No, this was, okay. I had been at Newman okay. for probably, I want to say it was my seventh or okay. eighth year as a head coach at Newman. So 11 years as a high school head coach. Then I yep. restarted the men's gotcha. basketball coach at Newman. Gotcha. I had been there for either seven. It was in 2005, so seven or eight years. I think it was seven. And that's the year, that's the season that it, literally day one of practice is when I can remember, you know, one of the symptoms that kind of started happening and that obviously led to a whole lot of signs and symptoms that I was feeling and struggling with uh, from that point on. So I was just doing everything in my power because of the stigma right. and not let anybody find out that I was struggling, including my wife then of 21 years. Wow. And I always tell this when I speak. 21 years. Uh, 20, yeah. That, at that time, it was 21 years. Yeah. Now it's 39. Right. Uh, but at that time, so I started calling my wife when I was a seventh grader and she was an eighth grader. Ah! Yeah. You're right. <laughs> Everybody does that. They all like, what oh, are you? That's so, you, wow. There's no way you, yeah. Well, she, you know, we've come from small town America and Sedan, Kansas. And uh, so I tell you that for this reason. So we'd been married for 21 years, but I'd right. known her for over 30. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And yet the stigma still told me, don't say a word to your wife. 
Like you don't want to look weak in front of her. No, don't don't want to look weak in front of my wife. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So, you know, I'm, you know, I'm thankful that, you know, she started seeing signs, you know, me getting emotional. She'd seen me cry once in those 30 years of knowing each other. And she saw me in my chair, you know, during that period as I was starting to really spiral out of control and I had a tear rolling down my face. She's like, what's going on with you? And I still didn't tell her. It took me about, uh, you know, another week and a half before I actually, you know, even admitted the fact that I was really, really struggling like I was. Yeah. So. Well, because I, I asked that question initially to say the timeline, because as you were describing to everyone on the outside looking in, it's like, oh, man, this guy's done made it. Like he's made it. Like he's got everything. He's got a successful marriage. He's got a family. He's obviously doing a career that he's not only doing what he wants to do, but he's also thriving in it. He's on his multiple seasons of being a head coach at a D2 school. What's your problem? Why is this happening to you? You know, and I, and I, I bring that up. Um, so obviously because some people see, you know, especially in, in, in what I do, you know, they go, Oh, you earned a title Marine or you earned a title soldier or you're serving your country. Like you've, like you've made it. Like what, what, why would you think now to, to hurt yourself or to think of dying by suicide? Why would you, how would you get there? Right. Yeah. And it's, it's complicated and it's complex it, and there's no one answer to any of that. And it's so nuanced. And I, I don't know what it is. I just know that through those years of, and I'm, 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 uh, I don't want to assume, so please correct me, but yeah. I, I know in my own experience and my own ideations and, and attempts, it, it was like, you, you stuff it down, you stuff it down, you stuff it down and you don't deal with it. You don't address it. You just keep moving on. And there's a certain level of like, we all have to do that in life. Like we stub yeah. our toe, we got to keep walking, you got to walk That's it off. Right. But like, there's some things that we have to stop, acknowledge. And, and what I like to say sometimes is if you don't deal with your mess, your deal, your mess will deal with you. Right. You know, and, no question and, about that. So, so, I mean, and, and saying that and kind of laying that out, like, what's your perspective on on that whole thing of, do you, do you think at all, like, if you would have maybe dealt with some things ahead of time, you could have stayed ahead of it? Or, you know, I mean, looking back now, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but just, just you've been there, you've been in the thick of it, and you've had it all, per se, and you were about to, you know, think about not having it all no more. Yeah. And, and what leads us to that? And trying to break down, because so, our goal is to get people to stay way ahead of it before yeah. it gets to that point, right? Um, yes. That's right. Yes. Uh, so to answer your question, had first of all, you know, I, I guess there was a part of me that didn't want to even admit and that stigma is so strong. And we have been, you know, we have been taught since day, you know, since we were born, not necessarily outwardly, but, you know, there, there's no parent or grandparent in the world that wants to hurt us by not teaching us about this topic. But silence is a killer. Yes. So when we are silent and, and I, you know, I say this about, you know, my family. So I didn't know my family struggled with any type of mental health issues. I knew that my grandma, you know, had, you know, left for about a month and, and then came back and well, she's just, you know, not feeling well. So she's going, well, I didn't know what that was all about when I was a kid. Right. And you find out after going through severe depression at 41 years of age was how old I was that not only did my grandma suffer, my mom suffered. My dad had been on medication. My real father had been on medication for 30 years. I didn't know any of that. Yeah. And that's because the stigma for them was no different than it is than it was for you and me. So, you know, in order to really get ahead of something, you have to understand how to get ahead of it. And yes. there was nobody that ever taught me in, in my world, the athletic world, and you know this, we don't 
are you kidding me? We're not going to talk about something that has to do with our, our emotions. Being soft. Uh, yeah, being soft or whatever word you want to use to describe yeah. it. We're not going to talk about that. And right. so that was what I was dealing with was, okay, you know, what is this that I'm going through? Is this severe? And of course, I started investigating personally, like I started having signs and symptoms of things that I'd never, you know, thoughts that I'd never had before. And so I started really investigating it and, and I'm like, shoot, this is severe depression. And then I would take, you know, there's, you know, you can literally go online and take a 10 question, you know, um, survey or whatever they call them, a questionnaire. And you can know if you answer them honestly, you'll know what level of severe depression or depression at all it could be mild depression that right, you have. Right. And uh, so that's what I was doing. Right. And I, each time I would take it, it'd be a little bit worse. And yeah. uh, so I started realizing what it was and then still didn't want to tell my wife or anybody else. And obviously, I didn't want my team to find out or my assistant coaches or my athletic director, um, you know, because you don't know, you know, and I think maybe in the military and I don't want to you know, put words in anybody's mouth, but I have spoken to many, um, many guys that have been in the military. Yeah. And, you know, they've just said loud and clear. They've said, yeah, the military is dealing with it more, but the stigma hasn't gone away at all. It's true. Is that I mean, the true it's, statement? It's, it's a sad truth. And it's, yeah. I don't think it's because anyone, I'm not, that doesn't mean to, to no, place no, no. that burden on anybody or place that blame. Nor would it's, I. And that's not what know, I mean by that. Yeah. And so it's, I don't think it's a systemic thing or anything like that. It's just we, unfortunately, at times, our own worst enemies and we keep it going ourselves or even, you know, in in your case, right? Like you didn't even tell your wife, you didn't even tell your staff, you didn't even tell the people closest to you. Like us as individuals, um, it's, it's, it kind of, it's, it's good because we want to be tough. We want to be strong and there's a time and a place for everything. But then there's like them times where it's like, Hey, I need to address this or this is going to get worse. And this is like that downward spiral kind of thing. Um, so I don't think it's, it's anybody's fault per se. Now there's probably going to be those ones out there always. They're like, stop being soft, stop being weak or whatever like that. Those people exist obviously, but that's not the status quo. That's not the standard for sure. Um, and we are a little bit more open with talking about it, but even then, you know, I, I talked to my son recently and he plays basketball and, and he's in middle school. He's, he's a freshman. He's a fresh man. Uh, so <laughs> out here in Virginia, trying to do his little AAU and playing basketball with the team and stuff. But I was talking to him about it. And even at his age, like I, I, had, I actually had a recording with him at a conversation because I wanted to see what his perspective was. What's your generation's perspective on this? And they were like, we don't want to admit we're like soft or weak. You know, people will think we're weak. But it's like you're living outside of your own head thinking that people are going to think right. these things. And it's kind of like you, uh, it's, you're guilty before investigation kind of thing, right? That's right. Uh, and That's and exactly we right. assume we assume that it's going to be like that, and it may not be like that. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that I always say to the audience when I do speak, and it's, you know, I didn't give you the whole entire story that led up to where I am today, but right. obviously that season, as I started to go through all of that, uh, led to where we are today. Because when I did come out of it, and I did start taking medication, and my wife did force me to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. She did realize, okay, we do have a problem here and we need to address it. Um, that, that was the turning point in, you know, our thought process, my family's thought process. And so I always say this to, to every, every crowd now, after now speaking on this topic seven years full time. Mm-hmm. So I've been out of coaching for seven years. Uh, but after that particular season, I spoke about this openly and honestly, and I'll tell you a little bit about how that happened as well, because that please. wasn't going to happen either. No, please do. Yeah, that, please. that wasn't going to happen either, you know, right. being in my position. But I tell them this. 
I say every family in America and probably around the world, but I can speak for the United States because I've been in I've been in 26 states, haven't been in all of them, been, right. been 26 states speaking on this topic. Every family in America has someone and or knows someone in their family that has struggled with some type of mental health issue. I have absolutely 100% convinced of that now knowing what I know traveling this nation and speaking to all of these different groups that I've had the opportunity to speak. So that's why when you talked about we assume mm-hmm. things, right? Right. Well, 18 years ago when I was going through it, I assumed if anybody found out that I could potentially get fired. Okay. In the military, you know exactly what that looks like, right? Like, like I've heard a lot of guys that I've spoken with in the military, like, okay, if you have a mental health issue, then, well, here's the deal. And this is what I hope and where I hope we get as a society, military, athletic world, really our, our world in general, is that if somebody's really struggling with a mental health issue, sure, you're going to maybe take a little bit of time off to get the, to address the mental health issue. But once the mental health issue is addressed and you are back to whatever your normal is, right? Right, right. Because that looks <laughs> right? different for everybody, that, right? That looks different for everybody, right? What's normal mean? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I always joke when people, you know, think about, you know, all my players that talk about me, they probably like, they're not normal about Coach Potter. But, <laughs> but, uh, but I think that's when we, when we, I think as a society, recognize that once, listen, okay, if somebody's struggling big time and they need help, let's yeah. get them the help they need. Let's help them get the help they need. That's right. Many times, you know, the person that's going through the struggle doesn't even have the ability from a mental standpoint to get to even pick up a phone and call uh, and or, you know, you know, tell somebody that they are struggling. Because when the mind starts to be affected by depression or anxiety, you don't think the way you normally think. That's right. Please say, just, can you please say that again? Can you please, just yeah. for everybody out there listening, please, because this is so, so important to understand, yeah. folks, because right now you might be in a, what you would call a right state of mind or a good That's state right. of mind or normal state of mind. You're not in it right now. Listen to what Coach Potter just said. Please say that again, sir. Yeah. So how I describe this is there is a serotonin level in every one of our brains, right? And when it's at what I call full, that's when we are at our normal. We are performing our jobs at our normal uh, at our best to ability, and we, we don't have issues uh, day in and day out in terms of the uh, the problems that are going on with our jobs or with the people that we deal with. Like in other words, there's problems, but we just deal with them like we normally would. It's not even affecting us, right? right. We embrace it. We embrace it. When our serotonin level starts to drop a little bit, then that's when symptoms start to happen. So your thoughts start to change just a little bit, and once those thoughts start to change, in many people's case, I can speak for myself, I didn't have the ability to even admit the fact that I needed to go get help, even mm-hmm. though I was so far down and so desperate to get some help, I still didn't have the ability to make that decision. So I don't know if I can say that in any clearer way that once our serotonin, and it's just, listen, it's a chemical imbalance. Right. People that's when my doctor told me that it was like, Oh, you mean, you mean that can be addressed and that can be helped and that can be fixed eventually. Yes. With medication, with counseling. And my wife always says this, my wife speaks with me as well, by the way, that's beautiful. She speaks for about the vast last 12 minutes of our presentation, which is about an hour presentation. And she speaks on the caretaker side of it. She says this, I love this comment. She says counseling and medication 
are not dirty words. True. So true. <laughs> like, so true. It's, like not. it's a simple statement. Yeah. And yet that's how we think. Like, hold on a second. Counseling, there's that there, you know, weakness. Well, you said right? earlier, you said that taboo, right? That, that's that's, right? And that's how we treat it in many cultures and many that's subcultures and you know, subclimates and things like that. We'll 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 look down on it. But I, I love that you 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 stress that point because I don't think, you know, because we almost want to be like uh like we you can start over investigating like over analysis paralysis. Well, why am I sad? And I shouldn't be sad. I don't have any rules to be sad. I have a wife and I have a family and I'm healthy. Why should I be sad? And then now you're even sadder because you're thinking about it. That's you exactly think, right. You got to think about, and, and please for anyone out there listening that might be in that position, you're not thinking clearly right now. You have That's distortion right. and over a long period of time, people are probably so tired of me hearing this of long-term unaddressed, untreated depression or anxiety, you can literally cause brain damage to your cognitive ability to make decisions. And I think we've all known somebody, uh, sadly, in our lives, and we may it may even be us as individuals, where you were this one person that used to light up a room or whatever you were, or you were just, you know, subpar or whatever, but that person is gone and you're kind of like a zombie walking around, right? If you don't address certain things, if you don't deal with your mess, your mess can sadly eventually deal with you to where you think that bad decision that right now people in their normal or right minds would go, hell no, I wouldn't hurt myself or hell no, I wouldn't do this or that. But in that state of mind, it seems like a good idea. And I just can't stress that enough at how fragile and vulnerable we are in those states. Yes, it takes courage to be vulnerable. I got that. But you're very fragile and you, you could you could make a bad decision, a permanent decision for a temporary circumstance. Mm, I love that statement. A permanent yeah. decision for a temporary circumstance that, that can be addressed. No, it won't be perfect. No, medication is not going to fix everything. You don't take one pill and yep. all your problems go away. That's right. <laughs> but you're able to deal with it, to cope with it. And then also on top of that, okay, you have a strong relationship. You have strong social ties with your family, with your wife, with your spouse, with whoever it is that you love. It doesn't have to be a, a romantic partner. But those of your tribe, you tie that into, okay, now I got to get up today and I'm exercising and I'm doing all these little things. Like I'm at the point now where I'm, I'm, I, I filter things through the, the, the spectrum of, will this make anything worse? No? Okay, I'll try it, right? <laughs> uh, because that's, that's like how desperate, but I, yeah. I just, I want to make sure people understand, please, that especially when it comes to substances too, because this is where I was really bad. I was kind of already in that long-term duration, not addressing things. I'm not going to be weak. I'm not going to go to the doctor and get medication. And then I pour alcohol on top of it. Which further and 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 hinders my cognitive ability, and one plus one equals well. There I am, you know, putting belts over doorknobs and making waking up the next morning going, "What was I about to do?" Right? Yeah. And there's a lot of people that I think they wouldn't have done what they did had they had addressed their problems and maybe worked out them, but also pouring substances on top. Did, have you have you ever had an experience with with that? And I mean, not personally, but you know, right? No, no, it's it's um, again, I I. I hate to you know use the same phrase, but I I do speak just shortly. I'm when I speak on mental health and kind of my own personal journey. I I'm not there to preach about drugs and alcohol, right? But I always do, and my wife always also kind of comments on this that we you know we are masking you know what is happening in our yes. brain with drugs or alcohol, and I, I'm very blessed that I didn't go down that road. I good, was you know good. I have a dad yes. that's an alcoholic that that, um, you know, I just made the decision I was never going to do it because I'm pretty sure I'd be an alcoholic if I did. I mean, I just, right. I know my personality well enough to know I have an addictive personality. And if I did that, I'd be history. So yeah. I, I chose never to go there. And so I feel blessed that that happened. But so many places where we go, you know, I'll have a college student athlete or a high school, you know, just a regular student. We, we speak to many groups that aren't student athletes as well. Right. I mean, you know, this, this, uh, 
you know, mental health issues is, doesn't discriminate. No, it, it doesn't does care. It doesn't whether not. we're a head college basketball coach or doesn't matter. You know where we come from. It just doesn't matter. So, it does not matter. Uh, you know, I just, you know, one of the things that I always say is, is you know, you you are going to you know mask the problem for a short term, and then you're going to wake up the next day and you're going to be like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. It, this is this is worse, and right. it, so the decision is is either I continue to mask it, and then you go down the road that you just talked about, yes, or man, I got to make a decision that takes a whole lot of courage today that I'm going to step out and I'm going to say, you know what, I'm not going down that road. I can get some help. There yes. is hope. There is, and hope, hope is a koa. We call it a course of action, a koa. Yeah, I heard the comment on the Marine Corps recently said hope koa. is a koa. Okay. That sounds coming up tomorrow, and you got a reason to have a little bit of hope. Like yeah. a course of yeah. action. Hope is yeah. a course of action. It is. Yeah. I love that. And, and you know, my wife, in, during her 12-minute presentation at the end of mine, on the caretaker side, she's always talking to people that know, like, for example, student-athletes at the college level. You know, you know, if you're a student-athlete at the college level, you, you probably ought to be taking care of your body, right? Like, right. you know, we all know <laughs> they're, student, they're, 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 they're young. They're young yes. people. Yes. And even don't have to be young people, but, you know, we've all been there where – we make decisions. We look back and my goodness, we regret a lot of those things. So my wife always says this, like if you're sitting back and you have one of your teammates or you have one of your friends in college and you see them going out and getting hammered every night or getting high every night or whatever it is that they're doing or cutting or yes. burning or whatever it is that they're, they're doing, then, you know, the, the, the hope and prayers that we have for our audience is that instead of sitting back and kind of, I guess for lack of a better word, protecting that person that's doing that. Yes. Is saying, you know what? Real love. Yes. Is I'm going to go, I'm going to go demand that that person gets help. Yes. That I know they're going down a path that they shouldn't be going. That's what real love is. That's what real friendship is. I love that you say that, boss, because um, I often say it always makes people, because I do comedy on the side, but I'll be like, be careful with that F word and immediately it goes to a bad place. But friend, the word friend. The yep. word friend. And this, I love that you said, too, that you don't harp on the alcohol or drugs, right? Because people are going to do what they want to do. It That's is right. what it is. And I, right. I would never say that that if you drink alcohol, no, you're going to die by suicide. I'm, I wouldn't there's either. No, there's no causation. <laughs> please, please, anybody out there, listen, I'm not saying there's a causation. And we tried no. prohibition before in our country. It led to NASCAR and gangster movies. So we're not going to try that again, yeah. right? But right. There is definitely a correlation. And the point being there is, is similar to what Coach Potter just said. If you have that friend that's going through a lot and you see them taking a turn, um, we all need healthy outlets. And we can't yeah. put Band-Aids on things that require surgery. And that sometimes is uncomfortable. Well, we got to get uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. And that's where if we look at anything in our lives, anybody out there listening right now, no matter what you've accomplished or anything, right. everything that you're proud of, everything that you look back on, it came through a little bit of discomfort. It came through a little bit of friction. It came through a little bit of strife. Um, that doesn't mean it had to end you or anything like that or be a masochist and you know search for hurting yourself in any ways or anything. But there is beauty in the struggle. And you can grow from it and you can, you know, one of the things that I've, I've come to realize as I've gotten older, like I can't make sense of what's going on right now in the world. I can't make sense of babies dying. I can't make sense of 9-11, no matter how much people explain to me the, the, the thoughts or the intentions behind it. But I, I can't make sense of this, that, that humans don't accomplish anything on our own, but through each other, we can grow. 
and and none of us have accomplished anything. We need a village around us. So maybe maybe you're only going through the problem you're having. Maybe you're only going through your struggle to be able to take that mess and make it a message to be able to help somebody else because it makes a difference that you can go on and help somebody else with that. Maybe that's why. You don't know that person yet. I don't know that person yet. Coach Potter didn't know he, you'd be listening to him right now, but you can share your experience and maybe give somebody else one of those things we talked about earlier, hope to keep moving forward, to keep moving on. So not trying to take away anybody's alcohol. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just saying, if you're going through a lot, maybe that's not the thing to put on top of your situation right now. I mean, it's just, it's a proven fact that it's related. Yes. Alcoholism and drug addiction is related. It's a mental health issue as Most well. Definitely. So, you know, like I said, I, if I did that, I promise you, I would, yeah. you know, so I, and, and it's interesting you say that last comment because my dad, who was an alcoholic, you know, didn't get dry till he's about 47. So about from, and, in, and also in the military. So, mm-hmm. uh, from 20 to 47, like literally like, you know, just his life was in shambles because of alcohol, but he always said this and I, I never forgot it. He's, he said exactly the comment you made. And that was, he said, you know, if I start telling you not to do something, you're just getting ready to go right out and do it. <laughs> it's, it's, guys, it's true. It's free will or yeah, something. Isn't it, it is. <laughs> it is. So, so I hope people don't think we're trying to preach on that yeah, either. No. I, you know, I just, you know, we want to give the best information possible. That's right. And, you know, allow people to take that information and hopefully, you know, help themselves as they go forward. So. Um, you know, I love I, it. I, and, and getting to that, what you said earlier, getting to be that best version of you, how can yeah. you be the best you that you can be? So, so you and your wife, do y'all run an organization or something that we do. Into yeah. This? yeah. What, yeah, please so, tell us what it is and how we yeah, can so look into it. I, um, so it's called D2 up. So D2 the letter up. D, the number two, UP.org. That's Got our it. website. D2up.org. Oh, dot org. That means it, yeah, that's official right there. When I see a dot org or a dot mil, dot yeah. gov, I'm like, okay, I can trust this. Dot coms, I'm like, hey now. Dot <laughs> so org, everybody. Yeah. yeah, it's uh we've been doing it now for full time for seven years. And 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 since I've been out of coaching. And my wife's a former, she's retired from teaching. So she's a former uh, elementary teacher. Uh, so we've both been in education pretty much all of our lives and you know, my wife is the brains behind, you know, most of any of the good stuff that you see on the <laughs> website and myself and all that. Give it credit stuff. where credit is due. Thank yeah, you, man. you know, Thank you, Mrs. Potter. That's exactly right. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, D2Up.org is, is what we, you know, D2Up is our business and, and it's, it's a speaking business and we are the only two that, that are a part of that organization. And basically when I got out of coaching and, you know, I felt the calling to do what we do. Right. So I had no idea what it looked like. And I literally came home one day in my final, my 30th year of being a head coach, it was in November. So I'd started to have a little bit of, uh, high blood pressure and some other health things that my, my coaching and high blood got. pressure was say what? Uh, say what? Uh, no, I mean, weird. Huh? Man, it's yeah, crazy. I was already on blood pressure medication, <laughs> let alone, you know, and then it kept going up. So my doctor, my team, our team doctor said, coach, you're going to have to you know, change a couple of things. We're going to up your medication and kind of it was the first time ever that I like actually thought, you know, I mean, I could probably die on the sideline if I keep up, you know, the intensity level that I have. And you can tell I'm a passionate man that loves what I do. And I love speaking about this topic. When I coached, I was a, no different. And, you know, all my players would tell you, I was just one intense dude. And, um, you know, it's the way good Lord made me. And I'm, I'm good with that. That being said, sometimes you can overdo it ah. and, yeah. For me, it was, you know, less sleep and, you know, you know, what, you know, probably, you know, you know, working so many hours during seasons that finally at some point it caught up with me. And yes. 
And I think, you know, when people ask, well, how did it happen? I said, well, a lot less sleep, you know, four hours a night instead of seven or eight hours a night. That's that wear and tear, though. And I'm so glad you said that because because uh, sleep is such an underrated medicine. I did the same thing when I was younger and I was a drill instructor. and I was in my 20s and stuff. I'd be like, I don't need sleep. I used to say I used to love it because Nas had it on a song like I don't sleep because sleep is the cousin of death. And I'd be like, yeah, Yeah. I'm motivated because what the civilian world calls workaholic. Right. And that's right. And OCD, we call attention, detail and motivation, you know, saying dedication. I do. I do. It, it's a culture of like how you grinding dog. Yeah, you that's know? right. That's exactly <laughs> right. And, and, uh, it, it's so, you said it so underrated and, you know, I still sometimes struggle sleeping just cause I'm, you know, pretty wound up person, but, uh, that's something I've really worked hard at the last 18 years, but my wife, so I came home after my doctor, my team doctor had kind of said, Hey coach, you're going to have to take some more medication. And we're going to have to, you know, watch your diet a little bit better and da, 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 da. So I, I was fearful and came home and said, honey, I, I think we need to, you know, quit our jobs and, and get out there and start talking about mental health. And, and my wife always jokingly says, although she was serious at the time, she's like, and I always told her, I said, I really feel like it's calling. And I, you make, that may sound weird to people, but no, you, know, when you go through something for so many years and with my Christian background, I really felt like God was saying, okay, you can keep on this, this path if that's what you want, but you're going to just stay stressed out and you're going to, yeah. you know, it's almost like, you know, God's up there laughing at me. Like, you don't learn very quick, Coach Potter. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to have to keep, and, and so I just felt the calling. So I, you know, and I told her that she's like, well, God may be talking to you, but God is not talking to me. You know, <laughs> I didn't get the memo. I was I didn't get that on memo. this. I didn't, I didn't even get BCC, Coach Potter. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And so my wife was not all for that. All the, she was all for the message because right, she's obviously course. living, yeah. you know, and she's, been, you know, giving that message for, you know, at that point in time, we had been doing it for, you know, I coached, I was a head coach for another 11 years after that, that season that I actually had to miss eight games. Yes. The first eight games of that season. And let me put that in perspective real, real quick. Right. So I, I played football, basketball, and baseball in high school for four years. So all three sports where we, where I lived in small town America. And then in college, I played two sports for four years baseball and basketball. And then I have been a head coach for well over 800 games in my 30 year coaching career and never, ever missed a game except for those eight that my doctor said, coach, you're going to have to take some time off. We're going to have to put you on some medication because you are not in a good place right now. And, uh, you know, most people like, you know, I bet you were ready to fight that doctor. And, and, you know, all I can say is this, you know, when you are that far down, yes. And, Keep in mind, it was 18 years ago. All right, so nobody was talking about mental health 18 years ago. This is a fact. This is a fact. Yeah, and and when he actually said you're going to have to take some time off, and he said I'll, I'll let you know when you get better, I'll let you know when you can go back to coach your team. That was a relief to me because I knew how sick I really was. Yeah, and it was the first time somebody had actually given me permission to get better. And you know, my wife forced me to go. By the way. Right. It was not, I wasn't going on my own. And, uh, so, you know, I always say, you know, my wife, you know, literally saved my life by forcing me to go to the doctor. And that's one of her messages to other people as well. Yes. And and that is, you know, in my wife, she was, she's, she's got some spunk to her. Okay. If you live with me this long, I promise you, you gotta have some <laughs> spunk just to survive. Right. But my wife is, um, you know, she basically said, you know, when I told her, you know, she said, Hey, we got this doctor's appointment. We're going to go attack this problem. We're no longer going to, you know, sit back and you know, see you just plummet, you know, and spiral out of control. And, uh, 
that was after she figured it out that, you know, she'd seen me cry like three different times. And, you know, I finally, you know, she asked me if she wanted, you know, me to take, you know, I was going to scout a team that I, we were going to play that, that opening week. And, and, you know, when you're going through severe depression, you know, you, you know, as you can tell, my personality is a people person. I mean, I enjoy talking, obviously sometimes way too much, but no, I love it. when I was going through severe depression, I was, I was the opposite. So oh, I was wow. avoiding people. Right, right, right. Shutting the door uh, at my in my office and and not you know allowing people to walk by and even see me or start a conversation. So that's also how that's one of the symptoms, the signs and symptoms that we talk about a lot is that not everybody's affected the same way. Most people uh, do a great job of faking other people out, and. I, I was no different. I was doing a great job of putting that face on. And that's right. I'd go yes, to that practice. Going to play, ain't we? That's it. <laughs> I'd go to that practice for two hours, and I would fake my team, my assistant coaches out, and then I'd go to my office, close the door, and just cry. And then, and uh, so my emotion, my emotions were way higher than they had ever been, as far as you know, just being emotional with the crying part of it. And that's when my wife at home. It, it was the only place that I could kind of like, you know. Like take a deep breath and, and, you know, my wife was here. Our daughter was a junior in, in, in high school. Our son was a freshman in college playing golf at Wichita State. And so it was just those two and me. And my wife sees the signs and symptoms. And finally, she's like, okay, enough is enough. I mean, um, you know, there's a whole other story to this, but we don't have time to go into it today. But, you know, she just said, you know, we are going to address this issue. And I said, looked at her and I said, and I actually at the final, like the final uh, two days prior to going to the doctor, I had said to her for the first time, uh, I, I can't live like this anymore. You know, she was mm. asked, kept, kept asking me, why are you crying? What, right, you know, right. She's seen me cry one. And I didn't really have a good answer. So I just said, I don't know why I'm, more, I'm just a little more emotional than normal. Right. That was my way of protecting, you know, my ego yeah. and, you know, keeping, you know, you know, whatever it is that society says that, you know, I got to stay strong. I'm the husband, I'm the father, I'm a man, I'm a head coach. I'm all right, those right, things. Right. And, uh, and my wife, you know, she obviously at some point did not buy that. And she went from being in denial to, um, there was a conversation that she introduced me to this person and I just didn't even talk. I stood there like a zombie. So that was the point in time where my wife went from being in denial to no longer being in denial. And she demanded she got the doctor's appointment. She demanded that I go. And I looked at her and I said, I'm not going to the doctor and you can't make me. That's what I said. <laughs> Did you stop yeah. your feet too? <laughs> yeah, that, I, that didn't go real well. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the doctor, you know, uh, she, you know, my wife got very intense and she, you know, raised her voice and she always tells people, you know, I, I probably not the greatest thing to do when somebody's in severe depression. And then I always back that up when I finish up the conversation by saying this. You know, I don't know what it looks like when somebody's struggling and they're they're severely depressed and they 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 are absolutely um, refusing to right. get help, refusing to go to the doctor. Again, they may not be able to help themselves, right? Thank you for saying that. Thank, yeah. They may not be able to help themselves. They, like, they may be in such a state that they can't help them. I was in that state. Yeah, that's why I can say that very easily. I, I didn't have the capacity to help myself because. The stigma was so strong and the serotonin level had dropped so far and my brain was so just, my thoughts were so different than they had ever been in my life. I, didn't, I just didn't have the ability to make that decision. And so had my wife not forced me to go, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I probably wouldn't be here today. So I, 
you know, that's where I get a little emotional because, you know, I'm just thankful that my wife said, you know what, I'm not taking no for an answer. We are going to the doctor and she forced the issue. And, um, you know, so really from that point on, you know, we've, we've been on a mission to get the word out. And so for another 11 years, I was a head coach and, but I would always speak openly and honestly about this topic. And here's how that happened. I know we're getting close to the no, time. No, no, we're good, boss. Please take, okay. no, please, no. But no, please. here's how it happened that we went public. So my doctor told me I had to stay home. As I said earlier, I missed the first eight games. So it was, I was home for almost six weeks. So I started taking antidepressants. My doctor said, coach, it's going to take four to six weeks before they fully kick in. He was exactly right on that. Closer to six weeks probably for me. But he said, uh, I'm going to send you to a counselor once a week, uh, which was a great thing for us. Um, he said, You're, you may get worse before you get better. He was exactly, exactly right on that. Uh, so the first three weeks I was at a home, I literally didn't turn on a television. I didn't answer the phone. I told my wife, don't you tell anybody why I'm not coaching my team. Right. Uh, the only people that actually knew were my two assistant coaches, my athletic director, and my personal family. That was the only, my team did not even know why I was not coaching them. And I mean, the stigma strong, right? It you, is. You it try, is. You to that keep point, it from everybody. like your brethren and you're like, yeah. don't be telling nobody. That's exactly right. That's exactly it. And so, you know, after that, and, and after about three weeks, I, I woke up one day and the medication must started to kick in a little bit. Uh, I'd never, I hadn't checked my emails, hadn't opened up a computer. I was literally like a zombie. I was sleeping. I was eating a little bit better. The medication was starting to help that serotonin level raise back up a little bit, slowly but surely. And um, I went in and checked my emails. And there was an email uh, that, you know, there was a whole lot of them, by the way, but there was one in particular that jumped out at me. And it was email from uh, the sports writer at the Wichita Eagle. So Newman University is in Wichita, Canada. Right. And, and uh, this sports writer, his name is Jeffrey Parson. He, he had covered us for, I think, my first seven years at Newman. So he, you know, he was the guy that covered our team, and I, I was friends with him. I'd known him for a long time. And he said in the email, he said, Hey, Coach Potter, I'd like to be the first one that talks to you about why you have not been with your team when you get back with your team. And I looked at that for maybe a second <laughs> at the most, and I hit reply. And I said, I'm not talking to you or anybody else. And I sent it. And that's the way it was going to be. Like, this is not a topic that I'm going to discuss publicly with anybody. Right. This is me. This is ours. And, and at that's that point, it. it was only within the close circle of just you, the, that's right. the, the provider, and your wife, right? That's exactly right. And wow. so three, three more weeks went by, and I slowly but surely got better. And my, uh, so I was on medication, um, doctor, you know, went to counseling. Uh, my doctor finally said, Coach, I think you're well enough to at least go back and coach your team. So he released me after those missing those first eight games. And so I went back to practice, and I had a player. So I, wa I walked in right before practice started, actually, like 30 minutes before practice. And, and there was one of my players at the other end, and he's like, turn around. Keep in mind, they did not know why I was not coaching them. Yeah, because you just went they, ghost, right? And yeah, you, that's okay. right. I just went ghost. And he sprinted down to me. He's like, coach, man, it's just great to see you, you know, and there was just big, you know, like big hug and, and, uh, like we were emotional, you know, it's like great to be back. You know, there was some normalcy to my life again. And, you know, you know, I'm thinking, man, this is in my rear view mirror. And, uh, but it was good emotions this time. Right. And, uh, but I, it, it did make me think a little bit. I thought, you know, maybe I at least 
you know, probably owe it to my team to let them know why I wasn't with them. So prior to that practice, I took them into the locker room. I told them everything basically that, that went down. And then I said, okay, guys, we're going we're gonna to keep this in-house. All right. You don't know, walk outside of that locker room door and you don't tell anybody, your girlfriends, you don't tell your moms and dads, you don't sure as heck don't talk to the media. We went to practice and I, I thought that was the last time I'd ever talk, talk about this topic. Two days later, we got on the vans to head to Washburn University. It was about a two-hour trip up the turnpike. I'm driving one van, and my assistant's driving the other van behind us. And I had a policy that a freshman had set up front with the coach because they hated that policy. But, you know, we just wanted to get to know them better and, you know, help them get acclimated to, you know, road trips and all that stuff. So this freshman jumps up front with me. His name's Dan from Phoenix, Arizona. And we started having just regular conversation. And just had a great, you know, I'm, I'm having a great time. I think he was actually, you know, uh, happy to be sitting up front and talking with his coach who was finally awesome. back coaching their team. Not you like know? connecting over a road trip. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so about an hour into this trip, we had about a two-hour drive. This freshman interrupts me in the middle of a sentence. Okay, now, you know in the military, you don't do that, right? Nah, like, that's not. Know your role. Uh, what you doing? Yeah, know your role. Understand who you are, right? This freshman like interrupts me in the middle of a sentence. I'm telling him some kind of story, and he's like, "Hey, he's like, hey, co- coach," he, and he kind of stuttered like that. He's like, "You know, uh, you know, when you told us why you weren't with us, uh, you know, not coaching us for that you know amount of time." I said, "Yeah, I remember, Dan." He said, "Well, do you remember when you told us not to talk to our girlfriends or moms or dads, especially don't talk to the media?" I'm like, "I remember, Dan," <laughs> and. Uh, and then he said something that was just, just absolutely life-changing. And he said, well, and he stuttered again. He's like, it took him an hour to build up this courage to tell me this. He's like, coach, he said, I, I, think, I think it'd be pretty cool if you did talk to the media. Mm. Yeah. So it shocked me so much that he said that I didn't even ask him why he said it. Like, I was just like, what in the world? Now, I, I was thinking, man, now I got a freshman telling me what to do, you know? Yeah, but and, uh, the tables have turned. The student had become the yeah. teacher. Yeah. Pretty, pretty amazing, right? So I, I don't say anything to him, and I'm bothered by this comment, right? So we go play this my first game back, and I get back home that night at about 3 a.m., 3 a.m. in the morning, and I, you know, I went and woke my wife up. I never do that, but I did this night. And I said, this, this is what my freshman said. Uh, this really bothered me. And we literally got down on our knees and prayed about that because, you know, we thought, you know, you know, I, I just kept saying, surely not. Right. Like, like, I'm not supposed to. I can't talk about this publicly. Yeah. And we didn't make a decision that night, but it was like a couple of days later. And we made the decision that freshman was right. So I told that reporter everything. He put an article in the paper. We got absolutely inundated. We, we estimate over 400 people contacted us in uh, the next 48 hours. And we started getting you know, letters in the mail. And, and then about, I'd say about a week and a half, close to two weeks after uh, this article came out in the paper, I got a letter in the mail from a 17-year-old high school senior. And I'm sitting here at home, but I'm looking at that letter right now. So that's 18 years ago, right? Right, right. But that letter, when I was still coaching, I had it on my desk right in front of me so I could see it every day to remind me that, you know what, I have a job to do in a role that's way different than what it used to be. And that role is anytime I get the opportunity to speak about this topic, I'm going to, right? That's why I kept that letter. That's why it's still here to this day so that I can see it. It reminds me 
yeah. uh, to, to be able to, to continue to stay after it. So this letter said this. It's from a high school senior, a 17-year-old. It said, Coach Potter, you don't know me, but I uh, read the article in the paper, and he said, I knew that I had a lot of the same signs and symptoms that you had. So I cut, cut that article out of the paper, put it on the inside of my bedroom door, and I read a little piece of it every day before I go, go to school. And he said, after you know, one really difficult night, I finally had enough courage to tell my mom and dad. He said, my mom and dad would, you know, took me to get help. And he said, uh, I just wanted to write this letter to you, coach. And thank you for you know, saving my life. And wow. so if you think about this, so I've given you a pretty good size portion of the story, but you had a freshman in college telling you, you he thinks it'd be pretty cool you'd speak to the media. That's right. You got a high school senior who, you know, after getting some help and starting the process, having hope basically is yeah. where he was. He yeah. knew now, Hey, I'm going in the right direction. I'm going to write this. I'm going to write this letter to coach. And, you know, tells you that you save his life. Like that's just life changing, right? Like you don't. And where was this, where was this young man or young woman? Where were they located at? They look, they were located about, um, their high school was probably 30 minutes from Newman University uh, in a suburb of Wichita, Wichita, wow. Kansas. But it's, it, yeah. it, it hits me so hard when I think about that because you don't know how, how, how far and how reaching that you can be. But also, that person was right there in your sphere in like your local area, at least the same zip code, at least, yeah. I mean, same area code. And they're hurting too. And without you coming forward, they yep. don't come forward. That ripple effect and the humans helping each other, right? Like that's right. It's, that's it, right. Wow. And you still yeah. have the letter posted right there for just uh, it's, that letter still right there. I love it. I love um, it. That that just again reminds me. So, you know, it, it just told my wife and I of, you know, when you know that that stigma that we've always believed, you know, the lies that we've always believed that, you know, we as men, uh, we as a human you know, human beings shouldn't be talking about this topic. And that's just a, we, we, we flipped that, we flipped that upside down. We, we turned it around and we said, no, hold on a second. You know, when I have spoken about this, right. I've only seen people respond in a positive way. Now it's been 18 years. I think I've had three negative comments in 18 years, three. That's a pretty, <laughs> that's, that's pretty good free throw percentage right there. Well, if you want to count, how many thousands of people that we've spoken to, um, whether oh, that's... Curry can't shoot that good. That's good. Yeah, I, that's exactly right. So, <laughs> uh, you know, and those three people, I mean, they just still believe the lies. Like, you shouldn't be talking about that. Yeah. Like, that's not something you should, you know, put out there. And and that's okay. That You know, I, you know, if it was 100%, you know, I, you know, but it's almost been 100%. Like, people are like, are you kidding me? Like, this, this head college basketball coach, if he can talk about it, if he can go through it, right, right, right. Also have suicidal thoughts, then maybe it's okay if I get help. Yeah, maybe, if, maybe it's okay if I tell somebody that I'm struggling. It's okay uh, not to be okay. That's it's it. Okay, okay not, not to be okay. And I love that you, you know it's funny the math that you said the like over ninety nine percent because earlier you, you you touched on the the military culture of it. And please don't think about time. Uh, we're on your time. Okay. I, I, I moved my stuff around because this is just wonderful and I'm I'm so grateful. Time is the most precious resource we have, so I thank you for giving it to us and, uh, and, and sharing this for real. Pleasure. 
But when you said the 99%, it's it's funny. That's a funny stat because uh, a lot of times you'll hear a lot of active duty and, and Marines and warriors of all, they'll say, oh, they don't want to seek help because they're afraid of their security clearance. And you know what the fact of the matter is, Coach Potter? <laughs> the main reason people lose their security clearances in the military has nothing to do with mental health. That's like, it's less than like, it. actually the SF-86 form could, says on there that counseling and seeking mental health help in and of itself actually could be an advantage to getting a clearance, right? The main reason people lose their clearances is because you have an E3, an E2, somebody who doesn't make that much money. Uh, well, let's say this. Let's say this. I don't want to say they make enough money because I used to be one too. Um, they don't live within their means and then they're yeah. driving a Bugatti. And yeah. then that's a target for like a foreign uh, you know, enemy or somebody to kind of infiltrate. And that's why people lose their clearances more than anything. So when yeah. you said that 99%, over less than one one hundredth of percent people lose their clearances for seeking help. And I'll bet you the stigma before you did was how many head coaches get fired if they come forward? Well, somebody's got to lead the way, right? I've yeah. never heard, I never heard of it. it. And obviously it didn't happen 18 years ago. So here we are. But your mess, your situation, you being vulnerable enough and having courageous enough to share it, it helps that young person over there. And then you said like the countless thousands of others. But hey, not to give you all the credit here, okay? Let's, let's just stop yeah. and say the real hero here. Mrs. Potter here in this situation. And thank you for her service to being an educator and helping our youth and the tomorrow that we have. That's, that's thank you for her service. Thank you for y'all service and sacrifice in that lane. But having that person there to say, hey, no, 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 no. Hey, hey, fool. No, no, no. You going that's to the right. doctor. And we're going right now. And that's what that's it's right. going to be. And she stomped that foot. And you're like, I don't want to. And she's like, but you're going to. And you did. And you said, I'm am. And you carried on. And, and here you still are. So we all need that person in our lives, folks, that, that can check us and be that's careful it. with that F word, that word friend and who you have close to you. Uh, because look at what a difference it made. And to have a real wife right there that uh, it makes me think of uh, Can You Stand the Rain, the new edition song, you know, like yeah. on a Sunday day everybody's it's all perfect in a relationship but what yeah. about when the rain comes you know that's she just right. got her umbrella and said come on babe let's go to the doctor that's it you that's know beautiful. Through, that's beautiful you know, through great things through you know through all the the good the bad and the ugly and uh you know my wife's just been you know she's been incredible i always tell people that you know you know when i told you earlier and you start you know laughing about i called her you know when i was a seventh grader and she was an eighth grader in our powerpoint we actually have a picture of me as a seventh grader and, <laughs> and her as an eighth grader you know? and people, you know, the audiences always love that. But, um, you know, she, I always tell people, you know, I was destined to be a, you know, a coach because I, I started recruiting extremely <laughs> early. Right. <laughs> great. Yeah. And, uh, and, and ultimately that is my number one recruit. That, she is I, my number one. That's, recruit. That's so awesome. And that's I've been really thankful you know, for her. If she was here, I'd have her step in and at least say hi, but she's, she's actually, she does a part-time job when we're not on the road speaking. So please give she, her our uh, best and tell her, we said I, thank I you for, cause without yeah, her, we her. wouldn't be talking right now. Right. That's, that's and, exactly right. And, and it takes uh, a village. And I think, it it's, I think it's so awesome that, um, you know, I, I do want to bring it back real quick because I want to, I want, I want people to walk away and they go, ah, oh, he's a coach and he's got an awesome wife and all this and everything like that. Yeah. I also want to think about, cause you've, you've highlighted a few times. You're also a man of faith, right? Yes. And that comes yes. into question with a lot of people and they automatically assume if people have a certain faith base that, oh, that's never an option for them or for those. Yeah. Um, and coming out of 
you know, when you said, okay, 18 years ago and you did say it was going to, the doctor said, and this is true, it will get a little bit more uncomfortable before it gets totally better. That's for sure. And every day is not perfect, right? That's uh, exactly right. And but I don't, with with yeah, your wife, with your faith, with all of that, what was the road out of the tunnel? Of, of coming out of that darkness, out of that dark spot. Obviously, the practice, the first practice back went good. The 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 conversation with the young man in the in the vehicle, and then getting the reassurance on it. But it's a slow climb, right? Like it yes. didn't happen overnight. Like, would you mind walking us through, if you don't mind, like kind of how that went? Because I I want people to understand, like, oh, so I just go to the doctor and everything's okay. No, 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 no. Don't don't get it twisted now. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, we've had some, you know, every now and then we'll you know try to get you know our story told and it comes across maybe as, oh, he just went back and was a head coach for another 11 years, and now he's a speaker. Well, you know, but I still am on medication to this day. So I have taken antidepressants for going on 18 years now. Yes. So that'll tell you that I need to continue to address my mental health. Thank and you, man. Thank you, thank you, thank yeah, you. Yeah, and my doctor two years ago, um, you know, not that we – you know, that I didn't have some struggles here and there. I never went back into severe depression, but two years ago, I was starting to spiral. The difference this time was that I knew, number one, what it was. Number two, um, I've been preaching for a long time about what you should do if you're starting to struggle. Uh, so I, I immediately went to my wife and said, hey, we need, I need to go check this out because I'm not doing well. Yeah. And he, you know, went back to the doctor, up to medication. Um, and so I, I don't want anybody to ever think that it's, you know, and I think all of our stories are different too. Like, you know, I would never want someone else to think that, you know, I would downplay their situation either. Right. And even someone that has mild depression, and I think you alluded to it earlier, the mild depression can quickly turn into severe depression if it's not addressed. That's right. So anyway, to take us, you know, where have I, you know, what happened? How did I get back? You know, wh wh how did I get to this point today? Because I'm sure it wasn't comfortable every day. No, and, and, oh, and I no. love that you said that you keep addressing. Because it's like getting in shape. Like, oh, you you were in That's shape right. in 2005. Yeah, but you got to keep working out. Your breath smells good in 2007, but you got to keep brushing your teeth. You That's know what right. I mean? Like, so on this note, uh, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And and so the medication. Uh, we also went back to a counselor on two or three different occasions to make sure that you know I'm just you know thinking you know here's what most people don't realize. Is and, and maybe some people have gone to a counselor, and I hear this a lot, where they they're like, man, I just did, this is, they just don't know me. They you know they they're not in the military or they're not in the sports world, so they don't really know me. And that's probably true in some cases. But uh, counselors are trained to give us strategies once uh -huh. we come out of the severe depression, or if we deal with high anxiety every day, to deal with that, to think in a little different way to not allow our thoughts to take us down that road that will potentially take us back into the severe depression. And by the way, I should say this, anxiety is the number one mental health issue in the, in the United States and in the world. So like, you know, we have, we, we keep saying the severe depression, my anxiety that I had very high levels of that led me to my severe depression. And so the day that the doctor said you have to stay home, was the day that I knew I had hope. And, and it was because, number one, put me on some medication. Number two, and we went to counselors, which I kind of still thought at that time, man, that's weak. I shouldn't have to do that, but I'm going to because I need to get better. And, you know, that process through the years, you know, that, that next six weeks of, you know, 
trying to figure it all out. Like what, you know, why me? Right, you know, right. Why me, God? You know, I prayed more. I read my Bible more. And, you know, here's what I would say for people that, um, that you know, are, are you know, do have a faith and, and even people that don't, but I, I want them to hear like, you know, so many times, you know, like God puts counselors and medication and doctors on this earth for us to go, you know, that's go see. so sounds you said that because it's kind of yeah. like that. What's that parable about? Like the person is on that, the roof. That's of the right. I'm, I'm waiting on. Yeah. Three different times. They turn it down and yeah. And all three times they just needed to reach out and, you know, get the help. That's you know? right. And, and uh, so, yeah, it, it's it's. Um, you know, if I, and, you know, I think the other part of it is too, is that, you know, I have a personality that, that is very outgoing, I guess is the only way I can describe it. So, you know, people just automatically think, oh, well, coach is just, you know, hundred percent better all, you know, uh, he's got it all together. Yeah. He's got it all together. Yeah. Again. And, 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 and I don't, I'm not trying to, and I want somebody to feel sorry for me. That's not, the no, point. no, I know that, no, but I appreciate you being vulnerable to share the that's, truth. That's of it. it. The, the, share the, it. The, the facts are. It is, it is, it has never been the same. Now it's been close. Mm-hmm. The medication has allowed me to get back because what that medication did was get the serotonin level back up That's right. to that normal position. Right. Yeah. And, and just always remember if the medication doesn't work for you, go back to your doctor and, and don't take it into your own hands and say, Oh, that made me feel well, weird. Yeah, with the water. And it's all, yes. yeah, no. And I, and, and I, and I'm so happy you said that because it's the same thing with therapists or even like uh, for us, you know, and sports teams yeah. have too, but chaplains, right? Or right. any kind of counselors. Like, hey, sometimes, you know, all the be- all the chefs in the world, you might not like the way they cook. And they, That's and right. it just, you go, guess what you do? Do you go starve? No, you go to another chef. You go to, you yeah. find food That's another right. way. You so keep working at it. You got to keep, keep trying, right? Yeah. And it might not be, you know, workouts or, well, I'm not good at basketball. Well, then try this or I'm That's not, right. I don't like CrossFit. I don't like track. I don't like to run. We'll get the elliptical. There is a way to exercise. Yeah. And That's and I right. want everyone to hear is like, there's different means and different ways. And it might just be all of the above. I'm sure you were seeking That's help right. from a spiritual advisor. You have your wife to counsel you, but there's also that therapist. There's also that doctor. And I know from my case, exercise, exercise, please exercise. exercise is that, that in itself is an antidepressant and it's such a healthy, it, it's, it's, uh, it's so incredible. Underrated. Yeah. So underrated. And and, you know, just something small, like, like here in Kansas today, I'm looking out my door, you know, at my house here, it's like 75 with seven mile an hour. Like it's perfect weather today, which is never in Kansas. Right. Right. But today it's perfect. So when we get off here today, I'm getting ready to go out there and, and just get a nice walk in, get the sunshine and, yeah. and just, and, you know, just, just take it all in. And that I think sometimes, real. yeah, just, um, you know, there's so many things that you can do to continue to help your mental health, even if you're not in the spirit of depression, like we all like living in 2023, we all struggle at times. So it's yeah, just the way it's that's, like this, that's such a fact. Yeah. This is a, you know, like you said earlier, like, you know, we're obviously not going to get into politics, but like it is hard to understand a lot of things that are going on in the world. So like yes. we see all this stuff in the media and in social media, and, and it just affects our brains differently than what it used to yes. because we're, we're, we're being fed this stuff all the time. So uh, no matter what our belief is, there's still a lot of negativity going in. So it is, it is, and it's like yeah. uh, 
Uh, I remember uh, one of my favorite speakers of all time, Zig Ziglar. I, I love him. I miss him. Rest in mm-hmm. peace, Zig Ziglar. But he used to always say garbage in, garbage out, you know, stinking yep. thinking. And and if you put garbage in your mind, he, ha- he actually had the analogy. He said, if I came into your living room right now and I dumped a pile of trash in front of you, you'd be like, hey, you, he said, you'd be ready to fight me or shoot me or something. Like, why'd you just dump that? Yep. He said, but we allow so many people to dump garbage into our minds every single day. We um, sure do. And, and we don't want to be uninformed citizens and, and not be active in, in the political process. Do do what works for you, do what you feel is best. But at the same time, how much of that do you control? Because that right. that leads, I know for me, that leads to a lot of anxiety for me, you know, especially these last few weeks. As, as like, well, as, as well. As so it's like, what I can I control? It. What can I yeah. really control in this situation? And kind of, that's serenity prayer. You know, they have that in all yep. the 12 steps and everything like that. But there's just, there's a freedom in that and looking at what you can control and what you can't control. And if we're honest, and what we've been talking about this whole time, it's hard enough to control ourselves. So what are we that's doing? It. That's exactly right. I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, it, it, I couldn't say it any better than that, you know, it's tough. So I, yeah. So I so appreciate, you know, you, you know, you're thankful for me and you keep telling me all that, but I just want you to know, like, I had no idea what was, you know, where you, you know, we didn't even know each other prior to this, right? No, we didn't. We just met each other through a, through we a were introduced person. from a young man that had gone to Newman where I coached and he knew you and he knew me, but we didn't know each other. And, and I will tell you this, and I've, this is not to downplay any of the other podcasts I've been on. But I have, I have truly, truly enjoyed your story and your feedback because, you know, when you speak to somebody else that's been down the same road, no matter how they got there, whether right. it's through the military, through coaching. Ugly through road's the, an ugly road, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it's all ugly. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter how they got there. There's just a there's just a strength in that, isn't there? There like, is. It, uh, it, so you've it, inspired me today. I want you to know that. Thank you. Thank you. And, yeah. and, and same to you, sir. And, and, and just thank you for your service to just humanity. You know what I mean? We all serve in different ways. I know a lot of times people in the military, we get to thank you for your service and all that kind of, and, and we appreciate it. Thank you for the support. Yeah. But right. Hey, without educators, without people out there doing what y'all are doing and, and bringing not just the education that your wife brought in the formal form of being an educator and a teacher, but the education that you're expressing right now and what you're doing by going around the country to let people know, Hey, it's okay to not be okay. And I love that you said we can't just, we, we have to, con- it's almost like a routine maintenance that we have to do. That's, that's what I was feeling like you were alluding to. Like, we got to stay that's ahead exactly of ourselves. Right. Stay with a routine maintenance. You know, your car's, in the, you get one oil change, you'll be like, it's all good. Uh, actually, yeah. no, there's, there's no. a reason why there's a tune up and you got to change gaskets and all that. And we're no different. And there's a million ways to that's do right. that. Um, and not one is better than the other. And, you know, honestly, right. some, some days maybe it's the walk that works. And then maybe other days it's the medication that works. I don't know. But if the end state is you're not feeling like hurting yourself and you still want to be around, hey, that's a win win in my book. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's a million ways Absolutely. to that. But you Absolutely. can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I think in our modern times, especially as Americans, we're like, I want it now and I want it yep. to be perfect right now. Yeah. It's like, uh, that's not how this works. And you can get complacent. As the J- the great General Mattis said at one time, complacency kills. He said yeah. it all the time when he was going to Iraq, complacency kills, complacency kills. And I see something in an example, something like Will Smith. I think he's a good guy. Uh, Chris Rock is a good guy. But we got to see a hurt person hurt somebody publicly. And I think all of us know that when we saw that happen, he wasn't smacking Chris Rock that night. Although he's the one who got hurt. And that's not to diss or place blame. And I'm glad my horror moments or my worst moments are not on national television at the Oscars, you know? So I'm not casting stones. I'm just saying that I know from doing research on that man and seeing his, reading his book and things like that, he's done some self work, but somewhere in there, he kind of fell off and your mess, your mess, you don't deal with it. It'll mess you up, you know? So I, I just thank you for for alluding to that that you you're staying on yourself you're staying on a routine and then you know what sometimes like you said two three years ago another struggle came up 
but you, but you endure and you be resilient and you're made stronger by it. And there is a beauty in sharing the, the, your story with somebody who's been there because it's relatable. And and yeah, you might not have a certificate to say anything, but like we said, you have the credibility because you've been through it. You've been yeah. down that ugly road. And there's, some, there's, there's something in that. And then when you take that and you share that with another human, you never know whether it's that young man's letter that's on your bulkhead right there, your wall. I'm over here doing naval terminology. Look at me all institutionalized. Oh, <laughs> your wall. Or if it's whoever may potentially listen to this, we don't know who they are. But if we're able to help somebody else know that, hey, don't choose a permanent circumstance, a permanent solution for a temporary circumstance. All of this is temporary. Exactly. <laughs> this too shall pass. Am I right? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So I just want my preacher rant. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's all good. I, I'm all ears when you're on that rant because <laughs> it's just, it's just truth. And in this day and age, when it's hard to get the truth, sometimes Dang that's man. just the truth. Hey, we got, and we got to bring it. And that's why I said when we first started, hey, we are supported by, endorsed by, and promoted and motivated by our First Amendment, which allows us to have this opportunity to be able to speak in, in today's world and these tools to bring us together to be able to express our opinions and our views on such a serious topic. But we want to keep it real and keep it candid because... When it really gets real, you know, bad things get real, real, real quick. And there's a lot of people that could be still living here that I think there's that gentleman who survived jumping off of the Golden Gate Bridge. He said he felt like uh, he said he before he released his hands, he said, I felt like all these things were not fixable in my life. He said, until I released my hands, he realized that everything was fixable in his life, except for the fact that he just let go of where he let go of. Luckily, he lived to survive and to live another day. But there are many people that I'm sure once they're on the other side, they're like, Oh, I wish oh, I didn't I do that. Oh, I yeah. wish I didn't do that. Right? Because no you can't question. take that back. So that's right. Don't choose no a question. permanent solution for temporary circumstances. You matter. People, people you need you. Matter. People love you. And, and uh, you, no matter what you're going through, you know, I always tell you know the audiences that, and I always actually, you know, I leave my cell number, uh, and people say you shouldn't do that, Coach. Like, you know, I know there's there's you know sometimes people take advantage of that, but you know what? If I'm out there truly helping uh, others then you can bet your bottom dollar that I'm going to, when I say that you're not going to walk the walk alone, like I literally mean that. Like, like if you have an issue um, and nobody, you don't have anybody there that's going to help you, or maybe you don't even feel comfortable, you know, talking to somebody there, then, then talk to me or my wife. I mean, we're going to walk that walk with you. And, and um, you know, I just, I just think there's so much power in having someone else that, you know, you could always lean on Yes, just in case things don't go well. And I mean, I've had, I've had phone calls four years after I've, so we do a PowerPoint along with our presentation. So at the last slide on there, I tell them all, take a picture of this. Got all my social media sites, my telephone number, my cell number, which I only have one. (laughs) So, um, you know, it's not like I'm giving you a business one. This is my business, my home, everything else. You reached me uh, to up to dot org. Please leave your message. No, you're going to talk to coach. Okay. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. And and if I always tell them, if I'm not available, I promise you I'll get right back with you. And and, uh, so, uh, you know, we've had phone calls four years after we've spoken to a group. And they that person didn't even speak to us on that night. They simply took the picture, kept the you know kept the number, right? And then four years later, they were like, "Well, okay, what do I do now?" Yeah. I remember that crazy Coach Potter talked over hey, there. Hey, you never know. Call man. that guy. That's beautiful. You know? That plant, that, yeah, that, yeah. that seed you plant, how it can blossom yeah. later on. 
And that's what we're yeah. trying to do. We're trying to plant seeds, y'all, for trees that pro- provide shade that we'll probably never yeah. sit in, but hopefully it helps somebody else out on a hot day, right? Actually, it's funny because uh, Matt's got a story about that when he's riding across the whole country. He would just stop underneath the tree sometimes when he's riding his bike and, and just get that cool air for a second and just yeah. be that relief for somebody. But sometimes we can be that relief for somebody. And, and if it's not Coach Potter that you reach out to, you can always reach out to me. Um, there's 988 now. That is just like 911 right. or 411. You can call 988 at any time. You that's can text right. it now, too. So 100% on that one. That's My wife always says, that's part of her. She's like, this should be up in every classroom. Everywhere. It should be in every room in your house. Everywhere. Every, You know, she's just adamant. And so I appreciate you bringing that up. Most definitely. The, and we'll probably know, never be perfect on this subject, but the great Colonel Brandon, I heard him say it one time, we had a thing called a resiliency huddle. And we had all the uh, caregivers and stakeholders in the area there. And he said, look, folks, we might not ever be perfect on this subject, but we can surely be better, right? Yeah. And I do think no that every death by suicide is preventable. I will stand by that until the day I die. It, it is preventable something else could have done um it's just trying to get people to stay ahead of things and for us to do like your wife did and notice things and and maybe force people to get a little uncomfortable and address some things you know because some people sit back and they hide and they say i don't want to lose my clearance or my career well really you don't want to address your issues because that's uncomfortable and that's hard that's hard to look in the mirror and say hey um i can't you mean i can't mask this no more with drugs or alcohol or or attention or whatever kind of addictions they do to put a band-aid on the surgery that needs to occur within them but going to the therapist it takes a little bit of work and effort but it is worth it and living another day really is worth it folks so don't choose a permanent, worth it. a permanent no. solution please don't yeah my wife always puts a she has another picture on this on our powerpoint with our four grandchildren on it and during her part of the presentation you know she just said you know what if i hadn't have forced him to go wow. he, he would not be here for his grandchildren and they they need him you they know do. They and do. uh you know that that's a that's a tough one to swallow for me a little bit but here's the bottom line i you know when you're going through it all and because of the stigma so strong, like you do feel the guilt and all the things that go with that. But, but after you do openly discuss it, like I, I truly, I don't, there's no more guilt. I understand it a lot more now. Right. I understand me a lot more now. They say no one's had a battle, right? Shoot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> just, just knowing that, okay, man, I, now I know why I'm having, I can't remember some, you know, some star said they talked about her. She has gray days, oh, yeah. which means yeah. she's just not having a very good day today. And so I still have gray days sometimes, right? Like you know, yes. to, to use the same phrase that, sure. that, that she did, but, but I understand myself better and, and I'm okay. Just like this conversation, talking to somebody about it, whether it be a counselor or my wonderful wife or my children, you know, who are now 37 and 34. Um, and one last thing that I got to no, get please, out there. No, please. Yeah, okay. sir. We're on your time. It's well, coach time now, y'all. Yeah. I know how it is in society. They say that pe- nobody going to listen more than an hour. So, <laughs> so um, but um, the, the one thing I want to say is this, is that, you know, the, the stigma that has said, you know, we, we shouldn't tell anybody and, you know, we should always keep it to ourselves and all of those things. Right. So I, I always ask the question like this. Like, like, how's that been working for us? Ooh, yeah. How's that working out? That's right. That, that just, I mean, statistics don't lie. They don't. And, and unfortunately, so, so here's my statement behind to back that up is that everything else in life, when we're trying to teach our children or our grandchildren, or in my case, when I coached all my players, right, you know, 
your platoons. Like, like you can just take, you can go every business. Like, yes, sir. So, so we, we, we demonstrate, we show them, we tell them, we, we, we make sure they get enough reps to make sure they're doing the job correctly. So in basketball world, we rep it and rep it and rep it until you, you know, we hopefully are almost perfect. Nobody's right perfect. layup is still garbage. Sorry. I had to admit that. Sorry. <laughs> um, and, and, and so we do that. That's how we dim it, you know, so we make sure people, you know, our players or our family, they all know, Hey, this is what we want you to know about life, right? This is what you need to know. So here's the part that everybody gets uncomfortable with, right? So the only way for our children and our grandchildren to feel comfortable enough to let us know or let someone know when they are struggling is that we actually tell them about our struggles. Tell it. Yes, yes, yes. That's demonstration. Yes, That's it is. being real. That is being truthful. And so many times we as parents or grandparents think, well, I don't want to show that weakness to my yeah. kids. I'm just to tell you something. That's at the right time in the right place. That's showing incredible strength. Yeah, that's it what really it's doing. is. It really is. And, and I did not know that before, but yeah. I do now. No, you so. do. And you can tell when it's genuine, like you're doing right now. And, 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 you know, there's people like you said earlier, and we always want to preface it with, ah, I'm not saying it's so sorry for me. No, you're not. You're actually just saying, because if somebody of this stature, of this status, folks, a head coach, D2 basketball, made it this far in life if if it got you who else can it get and i say that as a you know went to war drill instructor marine guy dad all that kind of stuff married I'm to nothing compared to what you guys nah, do nah. Like, hey, it takes that, that, i mean that like but like if my it can goodness get us who else can it get who else is susceptible yeah. to this you know and then like you said a second ago like how's that working out for you right yeah. like uh, i mean you gotta we, we gotta stop and pause and go okay i need to what you said earlier and i remember the great colonel DeWolf. he, he passed away a little bit ago but he say sometimes we gotta take a knee man sometimes mm. we gotta take a knee and and that's that's okay sometimes we just gotta take it a is. knee man um and not be afraid to do that but you know in that 18 years ago when you first started this 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 journey and this you know new life and this new way and this better way of being the better version of you your family has benefited from having a better mm. person around your teams have benefited from having the best coach a much better coach than than you were before because you're no a better question. you right and hey you didn't know it but those grandkids weren't there when this first happened, right? And look That's at right. them now, right? And it would like so I say that to give, like we said earlier, hope. We don't know the blessings that are that are to come for all of us or or the service in which we still have to provide to this world that we're a part of, because I do believe we all have a purpose. Which like Dr. King said, you ain't gotta be great to serve. You just gotta have a genuine heart. And That's the fact it. that you have such a genuine heart and genuine conviction to share this, I, I just I tell you thank you for the courage to share it. Um and and I really appreciate it. And you've been an inspiration to me. And vice versa. I mean Hey what is to give know, light must endure burning like Victor Frankel said yeah. though, right? So some yeah. some days are great. Some days that, that wit gets burned, but um I really do I, I thank you for your time and your sacrifice and i always try to end on this note uh to say if there was if there's a person out there struggling right now and they're thinking about making that choice uh to hurt themselves or hurt someone else what would what would you say to them if you had the opportunity to right now yeah uh you know i i gotta get emotional when i say this one but uh, i mean you know when i told you the story about you know my wife who was in denial for a little while knowing that i was really struggling and then she went from being in denial to no longer being in denial, right? And I would tell that person that, you know, 
there is hope and there's help. And maybe you've been in denial for a long time because you just didn't know how to get out of it. But maybe now is the time. When you hear this, now is the time in your life, the moment in your life that can truly change um, and, and give you the hope that you've never seen before. And I just, uh, I, I know one thing, I'm going to be praying, I'm going to be hoping. And we do, my wife and I do this every day. Like, you know, I, this mental health issue, so many times people are out there, just they just want, they, they want somebody to come and help them, but they'll never ask for it. And so I always just try to, you know, I, I hate to use the word, but I, I beg them. Like, I beg you yeah. that, listen, go. it's okay to, to pick up that phone and call somebody and say, I need help. If you can't get help, just call the person that can help you. Somebody's out there. And somebody wants to. They're just not mind readers. Somebody wants to. That's it. Good intentions as they have, they're not mind readers. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and, uh, you know, so many times I think we just take that for granted. And I saw anybody that may be in that state right now, I hope they they hear my heart. And, um, you know, we know know that they're here for a reason. And no matter what the issues are that got them to that point, uh, there, there, there can be hope. You know, you, you explained it with the, the young man that, you know, jumped off the, the Golden Gate Bridge, you know, it's, it's like, let go. And it's like, oh, now. Oh yeah. Yeah. It gets real, real right, quick. Yeah. It gets real. Right. So like, I, I don't know how else to best describe, you know, to that person that might be hearing us speak right now Yeah, is that, listen, there is hope and there's help. I know we say it a lot, but I don't know if we can say it enough. No, you know? it's, and honestly, I don't think we can because there's been many times I feel like, am I a broken record over here? But then I'll yeah. come across somebody who just doesn't know or they haven't heard it yet or they didn't That's hear right. it or they weren't ready to hear it when they heard it last time, right? But like, hey, I'm, we're going to stay on message and try and try to make as much of a positive difference as we can because, hey, like Dr. King said, everybody can be great because anybody can serve. Right. And you don't have to have Mm -hmm. a college degree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. I want to clean that quote up because I I felt like I misquoted him. But a soul generated by love. Right. And serve others. And maybe, maybe, ladies and gentlemen, humans of the world, even if some aliens are listening, I don't care. All right. Look, hey, maybe you're only going through this thing. So that way you will have it as a testimony, this test to share with someone else to be able to help them later on. Don't know. Don't know. But that that gives me hope. And maybe there's there's a purpose in the struggle. But hey, what is to give light must endure burning, right? That's what Dr. Victor Frankel said. Anybody out there who's having a hard time searching for meaning or, hey, what was me or life is bad, read about Dr. Victor Frankel and see what that man went through uh, in, in the few concentration camps that he spent time in, a man searching mm-hmm. for meaning. Great. Just a little plug. He's not getting any more yeah. sales anymore because he's resting peace, and, right? But uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't get no yeah. commission off Dr. Victor Frankel's book, but I'm serious. <laughs> he said, what is to give light must endure burning, right? So that's just something right there. And and, and take your light and shine on because we want to see it shine and we need you in this world. Um, Coach, hey, I just want to tell you thank you. I know I, I think well. I delayed like the bye like eight times. I was like, I don't want to say bye. It's like that hug and you're like, all right, man. <laughs> like a kind of hug and you're like, all right, you going to let go? I, I didn't want to let go. Um, it's all good. It is all good, my friend. And, and you know, this time we do have to say goodbye because I got to go pick up my granddaughter. Oh, that's right. You do. I, yeah. I will don't, not don't be, be late. Now, we're going to be great people, not- help the world, but then we're going to lead a baby at the school. That ain't right. That ain't right, Coach <laughs> no, Grandpa. That's exactly right. So <laughs> um, anyway, so appreciate, uh, you know, had no, like I said earlier, I had no idea what this was even going to be today. But I, I, I walk away more inspired than when I started. I can I can assure you of that. So thank you, uh, you know, for for you know putting this out there. And if we can, you know, help that one person, whoever that might be, and hopefully it's a lot more than that. Then, man, you know, that's what it's all about. 
So that's what it is about. Hey, this has been another episode, y'all. Thank you. Thank you. And big shout out to the Potter family. Coach Potter, thank you for being here with us. We appreciate you so much. And best to you and your family. And thank you for being a light in this world, sir. Appreciate you. Same to you. Thank you. Bye-bye.